someone Some come to seek honor Some seek to wreak havoc Either you do or don't have it If we speak it's trash. When the sun rises Are you surprised that I'm a beast? Just walk up that gonna make us stop Take a minute and remember who takes the top Through the critics and the cynics Your time is up Just admit it and remind it But this rhyme is up It's hot Independent and recruitable time. Uh, yeah, you want to get into this? I'm recording. Yeah, I'm recording. You know what? I'll start. You know how I, uh, I like to push your buttons. Yeah. A guy at work told me a joke the other day that I know is going to get you incredibly angry. I'm like, I'm like, uh, what's his face in the Hulk? Um, uh, Bruce Banner? No, the the, the actor, Mark Ruffalo. Okay. Where he's yeah. like, what's the secret? He's like, I'm always angry. <laughs> he told me a joke and he said, uh, a girl came up to me at the bar and she told me to kiss me where it stinks. And he goes, so I drove her to Hamilton. See, I would be more offended if the guy didn't live in Thunder Bay. Tell him he lives from Toronto. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Fucking Deuce Central. (laughs) Fuck that guy. (laughs) Tell that pompous fucking blowhard cunt. Even though it's turning into winter, we got some thunder, <laughs> we got some lightning, and they're heading his way. I gotta play this for him. He's a good guy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see what his reaction is to <laughs> your verbal onslaught there. You know, my friend Miles loves was Mr. Toronto from the time he was like a teenager to even living there but he said covid and a, com- a bunch of other things has wrecked toronto he said it's lost all of his i think part of it is he's, he's such a show concert guy and yeah. a bunch of the the clubs have been torn down or like they're like uh, now the phoenix is on the chopping block and i love the phoenix because it might get put up as like residential housing or, or uh, re- like more real estate bullshit and i love that club um and it's like the rise in dispensaries and stuff is just like it's everywhere to the point where it's oh like, yeah, this, the dispensaries are out of control here. <laughs> but you know what? That's what happens when something new hits the market, right? Yeah. Is that you get a flood of everyone doing it, and then you know by the end of next year, more than half of them are going to be out of business because they've just flooded the market. Yeah. Why you can't know, we have so, more things of you know. uh, more of what we want? Like, I want more Krispy Kremes in my neighborhood. Or <laughs> I told you about that time where me and Poole went to. Um, Grand Rapids to see Streetlight and Real Biggie, and I was like there. we literally. Oh wait, Grand Rapids. No, we I went with you at Grand Rapids to see a Real Big Fish. And less than Jake Street was there. Less than yeah, Jake. that was a different that was one. Grand Rapids. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we literally turned onto this main street in Grand Rapids, and it was like every American chain restaurant that we never saw as kids. They're like, yeah. we got it all, and like that. We, we I want more of that. Less of this freaking dispensary bullshit. You got me on another rant. Oh, my God. This picks up from a rant that you started with me a few months ago. Because remember, you asked me if I ever watched The Burger Show. And I forced the guy's name, Alvin. He's kind of a big, heavy set Asian guy. And how he kind of pissed you off. 
And I was watching some of it this week, and you know what? It pissed me off too. Like the food looks great, yeah, but. Like the one, he had these guests on. He's like, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna do our take on some of the most legendary fast food items uh, imaginable. I'm like, oh great, this is gonna be cool. What is it? What's it gonna do? And it was all either California-based French uh, fast food chains or U.S.-only based fast food chains. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Fuck. And then, and then he gets this <laughs> other guy on, and he goes, we're gonna each make the ultimate burger combo. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. Maybe they're gonna do some like cool drinks or like like a, a, you know cool sides. I was really excited about sides. The one guy at least tried to make like a nifty tequila drink. What Alvin did, he just poured a bunch of coke into a cup, and he goes, "That's all you need." <laughs> and then they just both of them just had regular fries as their side. What a bunch okay, of so plugs. Like, he brought out like a little array of like waffle fries or uh, what's it called. And then the Alvin guy, he hosts the burger show. And he's always like, you just need bun, meat, and cheese. That's all you need. So that's all I'm going to do. That's what the fucking topics on. That's why I like, there's another I'm YouTube like, burger show uh, hosted by this guy. His name's George Motz or Motz. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's great. I love that yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same show. Oh, really? It's I the thought burger he had... show presents oh, okay. the burger historian or whatever his yeah. name is. He's awesome. I watch him all the time. I watched one last night. He made a burger with like marshmallow fluff on it. Yeah. <laughs> it looked disgusting. But <laughs> it was neat to see because he does like re- regional stuff or historic stuff. Yeah, no, he's cool. That's. Uh, but yeah, the Alpha just he just he bun meat and cheese. That's a burger, and I'm like, then why are you hosting a show about it? If that's all you think a burger is, that's fine. It's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> just pick another food item to specialize in that isn't so plain Jane. Well, do you know what's funny, too, is because I don't know if he still runs this, but his restaurant wasn't even a burger shack. It was literally like it was like this egg. It was like a breakfast, like egg sandwich type spot. Yeah, I remember him doing something on another show about egg sandwiches. Yeah, that was his thing. Because I'm pretty sure that yeah. was his shop. Well, that would be interesting. Unless he just did one type of egg sandwich, and that was it. You know what's funny? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure because you're a longer time listener of the Bill, uh, the Monday Morning Podcast. Like, yeah. So you know he's buddies with that one comedian, Joe DeRosa. Yeah. Uh, he started a sandwich shop, but he actually like... Did he really? Yeah. He's, uh, uh, he has like eight sandwiches, but they're like... Because he's from Philly, so he likes... He's like, it's on a nice hoagie roll. And it's like he's very particular about his meats and stuff. Mm. And uh, so it actually seemed like if I was ever in New York, I'd definitely pop in there. Um, I would too. That'd be it'd be kind of a cool place plus, to, to check out. You never know what random stand-up might be hanging out there because he's friends with a lot of those New York. Oh, guys, he's but, he's part of that clique. But he's friends uh, with uh, he's friends with our buddy Josh Adam Myers as well from the Five Hundred Podcast. Yeah, but it's Big funny because they all show. they all make fun of it because they're like, look at Joe's st- uh, Joe's stand-up career is so terrible. He had to start a sandwich shop. <laughs> yeah, he's the. Uh, do you remember the episode of Seinfeld where George is like? Uh, Everyone in the group is someone that they all make fun of, like us for the lane. Yeah, like that. He's he's like that, and they're like, uh, and they're all those comedian circles. Well, I mean, they on, they roast Josh Adam Myers a lot too. It's hysterical, actually, because they're like, yeah, you know how people make fun of. Well, see, you know, they, you say that the guys you listen to do, the guys I listen to don't, because they're trying to build them up. Well, they like Burr's Burr's always like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he's coming up on a scene. He's gonna be a big deal. Well, oh, that's yeah, yeah. well, that's the thing. Like they they build them up because they're friends with them. Like Big J is like his one of his best friends. Like he he before Josh moved to New York, he would like let him crash there for weeks on end mm. to like help him, you know, do shows around New York and stuff. And he opened for him, and they're they're all they all love him. They. 
they always build him up, but they they make fun of this one thing he always does because uh, what did he do? He used to work as like a PA or something before he started stand up. Oh, yeah, he was a PA on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And so he'll always post these stories of that are very like self serving, like when uh, when what's his face, the guy from The Wire. Um, Michael K. Williams. Yeah, when he died, he's like he posts this long thing and made it more about himself than about Michael K. Williams. And so they they had it on the bonfire. They have this ongoing gag where it's like everyone who Josh meets, even if it's literally just an acquaintance or someone who's like friends like ten like ten times removed. He's like, oh, he's my homie. It's like so, no, Josh, not everyone is your homie. You can respect them; they might like you, but they're not all your homies. Like, oh, everyone's my homie. And they just to be fair, every single band. We profile on this show i always say friend of the show blue rodeo you know so i, I get what yeah, that's coming you're from. doing a bit of a joke because i mean at least the only bands who've actually like responded to any of our stuff is gob and the tea party they like our i'm post. a serial joe no but did did dave uh share anything or do anything like that because no but daniel came on the show yes. i think that that's yes, he's a friend good. of the show but i mean like in terms of social media land <laughs> Uh, no, well, yeah, no, he shared in, uh, he shared our, uh, the episode. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I meant to ask you, are there any actual health restaurants in Thunder Bay? Maybe I'll online buy you a gift card and you can go there and get yourself uh, some restaurants. Um, well, yeah, well, actually right near my house is a vegan place. So, you know, Bonobos. I mean, yes, there's more vegetables and stuff, but vegan is often a misnomer because they always have to use more like sauces and mayos and creams yeah, and things but, that but, make it more fatty. But those sauces are lighter because they're not using eggs and heavy cream and crap like that. No, no. Look it up. It's, it's Look less it up. cholesterol. There, it's, every, like, it's a big misnomer that uh, like you know a vegan burger is any less calories than like, a regular meat burger. No, I'm not talking about calories. I'm talking about what you're eating. Oh, okay. Like things like cholesterol and sodium and all that shit. No, what are like you talking about? They, your, they probably put tons up. of sodium and stuff, like salt and, and uh, for flavoring for... Uh, it's a good point. Um, they, they like a sodium. I was talking more about the cholesterol. Yeah, fair enough. Which I know they're going to bring it back and they're going to like ring out the results <laughs> because it's probably coated in fat for my, uh, my blood. You know, I was looking at the, my blood today when I was getting it done and I was like, oh, it's red. I thought it would be like... A nice golden yellow with little crunchy bits in it. <laughs> or it's like, it's literal pudding. <laughs> oh, boy. Say, so we got an episode to do. Yes, sir. This is part one of the season finale. Sorry it took me so long. Life happened, okay? <laughs> Swollen members. We're going to be doing part one of two episodes on Swollen members. And I know last week I hyped it up that we were going to divide this in two halves because of ten albums. There's only nine albums. So you're <laughs> going to get the first four today. And then they took like a three-year break and then they came back with the final five. The final five will do next week. Yeah. So you're going to get the first four. Yeah. Um, balance to heavy yeah. is what you get this week. That's 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 what's happening here. Um, I was going to say, I'm really happy that we're doing the Swollen Members podcast because I've been listening to all of their albums. Uh-huh. Um, Spotify, you get those daily playlists on Spotify, right? Yeah. Um, and so often, um, it's like, because we just do the Canadian stuff on the show, like even like Jack Soul and the Hallucination, they just lump them in with just other like Canadian rock groups, right? right. So I've got like a classic rock one because I listened to all that April Wine on there. And then like two like Canadian alt rock ones plus like 
a punk and a ska one. Right. That's like the six I have and like a wild card one that has like um like nineties one hit wonders or something. Finally I got a hip hop one back. <laughs> because we've been listening I've been listening to so much swollen members. So I'm like, okay, that's great. Keep this up, Spotify. I need that hip hop playlist uh every now and then. So that's good. I'm glad that got me back on the right track. And uh I had a really good time uh listening to these four albums. Me too. It was great. Um, I wanted to start off the show with a, I mean, it's not exactly a hot take or a controversial opinion, but I think, I think hip hop, it's not, it's not the most racist genre. That's that clearly goes to country, but like Dave Chappelle. Not anymore. Country has fricking diversified. Really? Like you wouldn't believe. Like you wouldn't believe. But, well, back in the day, like, Dave Chappelle has this joke from Killing Him Softly where he's like, if you see a white guy in a group of black guys, he's like, watch out for that black guy because who knows what he did to get those white dudes respect. And right. um, it's just kind of the same thing in hip-hop because, you know, early on, Beastie Boys were, like, the first, like, serious, uh, you know, mainstream hip-hop act because before that it was uh, Vanilla Ice and... That was it. And then for a long time, like white hip hop artists weren't taken seriously. Because uh, even Beastie Boys in the 80s were a bit of a novelty act. They're like this farty. Well, they like, also play, they also play punk and they yeah. play, you know, other stuff. Yeah. And so, like, for Mad Child, like, it wasn't really till Eminem and Mad Child. Like, I mean, I'm also not the hugest hip hop head from that era. So there's a lot of stuff I'm pro- people I'm probably missing. But, um, like, Mad Child really had to flex his freestyle metal to get all these people's <laughs> respect. And like, he, that's how he, he met with prevail. I mean, you're going to go into their bio, but uh, it's freestyling won him, like got him a band. And uh, so, basically, yeah. And that's, and yeah. so that's it. I think it's like stand up comedy. It's very merit based. And because like, they won't discriminate on the sense that he just, cause he's white, but he really had to wow them to, you know, get a lot of respect in the field. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah. And it's a testament to how good he is. You're absolutely right. Even though, well, okay. No, I I totally think he's a a great rapper. His voice, though. Yeah. Well, not that I'm trying to take anything away of it, but he kind of sounds like Meatwad from Aquatine Hunger Force. (laughs) Well, it's it's also, it's interesting because at first... (laughs) I mean that the nicest way possible. I mean, we'll get into balance in a few minutes when you start their bio, but, like, I will say this. Like, at first, I didn't think I was, like, I thought, uh, did they have a fourth member besides Mocha only? Because there there was a guy talking, it was Madchild, but he was talking, like, he sounded like he was talking in the back of his throat. But that was Madchild, and he's still, those early albums, he's really trying to find his voice. Well, it was kind of like with uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s first album. Uh, he rapped in about five or six different voices. Oh, really? I don't think we're going to go beyond the realm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, the, what's it called? There's, outside of Diddy, doing some little drop-ins here and yeah. there. Um, and not, But nothing substantial. Right. Um, and there's that one song with Diana King where she sang, like, that uh, Respect. That's a great song. But the problem is with Respect, it ends with, like, the sound clip of Notorious B.I.G. getting a blowjob. I just don't want to listen to it. Uh, it's, it's the best song on the album, and they got to ruin it with 20 seconds of Biggie getting a blowjob. Not even 20 seconds. It's like 45 seconds. It's really long it's and really uncomfortable. Graphic. It's really uncomfortable. Like, you know how, like, there's those, like, those, some of those Eminem songs that you're listening to where he's, like, literally describing murdering his wife? Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're like, this is really uncomfortable. 
Vicky getting a blowjob at the end of the song Respect is incredibly uncomfortable. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway. I, always, I always just remember him from like the very like Super Nintendo Sega Genesis voice, oh, but he's... I didn't think he had so many like other like uh, oh, yeah. range. Off, uh, ready to die. Ready to die. He's got ooh, big range. Yeah. And you know, I'm going to do one outside of the world of uh, hip hop. You talk about singing and rap. How about Alanis Morissette of the Jagged yeah. Little Pill? She sings in like 10 different voices on that. So that album that's is something to keep it years old this year. Oh, it is. And the documentary about it just popped onto Grave. So yeah. maybe I'll give it an old, maybe I'll give it the old once over. Since anyway, we, um, we haven't done any uh, off topics in a bit, I did see this one uh, article. There's like six, or sorry, like 25 great Canadian albums that are 25 years old. Okay. Should, like I'm not gonna go through them all now because we got swollen members to talk about, and but it is it would be interesting if we did it for an off topic, especially because we're at the end of the season. Some time for, we we, we time could use one. We'll we'll do we'll do a Christmas one for sure, oh, and yeah. then we'll we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. You, know, you get Brian, you get to flex in your your Christmas playlist. Oh, yeah. and I know you're looking it keeps forward to that. Keeps growing every year. <laughs> well, let's get back to the swollen members, shall yeah. we? Because I haven't even started this damn script. But it's a short script, so we need this filler time. No, no. We'll... <laughs> we need to pat out the episode. We know bit. enough about hip-hop for a couple of honkies. Like, it's it's not like we're totally out of our comfort zone like we were for the hallucination. Uh, we know enough that we could, uh, we could fill. All right. Well, um, I wanted to know, what was your reaction back in maybe the early 2000s, late 90s, when you first heard Swollen Members? Now, you're not talking about Brian now, who just spent two weeks listening to their discography and he thinks they're <laughs> awesome. I'm talking about Brian back then. Um, I liked them. And I, I, I liked the, you know, much like our reaction to Jurassic 5, like how with all the different voices, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. I think, you know, Mad Child and Prevail offset each other very well. Um. But back then, I just like I liked their hits, but I also wasn't as big into hip hop at the time when when I when like um, breathe and what was the other one? Um, uh, fuel injected and uh, I was gonna make you stop that. Yeah. Fuel injected. Uh, yeah. when, when those came out, like I loved watching them on Much Music. I'm like these are great songs. If it came on the radio, if we were driving, like my brother and I would listen to it and it was good. But I just never had that inkling to go buy it because I was pure. Like punk, ska, and new metal—that was my lane, and mm-hmm. like that pretty much defined my, uh, with the exception of like Jurassic Five filtering in a bit. Like I, I really didn't open my ears to much hip hop during those few years. See, you know how people will make fun of country, certain people who listen to country music now. Yeah. Like, oh, he's one of those assholes that only listens to outlaw country. <laughs> he's one of those assholes that only listens to country that was made before 1990. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I was that asshole at, with hip-hop yeah. back in the early 2000s. Because when people, people ask me about like, hip-hop, they're like, yeah, but none of this shit. <laughs> I like the, you know, I liked the old school hip-hop and what I classified as like alternative hip-hop. Because I thought that they really had merit and stuff like that. And everything else was shit because they were just rapping about the possessions. And I wanted lyrics about the substance to them. Well, that's, yeah, you know? I feel bad for school and members. It was a little smug, but. Because they came right at the tail end of, like, what's called the golden age of hip-hop. And yeah, they, they fell yeah. right at the start of the bling era. So, I mean. But they got, I, I don't. They got a great, they got a great uh, foundation of inspiration from all that good stuff, which is good, and I think it fueled their records. That's why they were so good. I don't think they got too influenced by the Bling era as much as other people did, which kept mm-hmm. them as- apart. 
But well, me what saying say? what I just what because saying what I just said about how I was like, no, no, man, I'm into Jurassic Five, man. I'm into you know real hip hop, not this fake shit. Yeah. I think that actually helped swollen members to an extent. Yeah, because they were so non uh, bling rap or cash money millionaires rap. Yeah, and they they did have substance to them. Uh, I think that helped them because people were looking for groups like that. And when you're in Canada and our biggest hip hop act at the time were these guys yeah. who would be considered an alternative hip hop act. I think that that did win them a lot of fans. Um, oh, yeah. But it was, it was it, and I remember having the hardest time trying to figure out if they were alternative hip hop or not. And really having to listen to their lyrics because I, 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 you know, I, I was okay with Prevail's voice. This is younger Teddy. I was yeah. okay with Prevail's voice. I was okay with Mad Child's voice. It wasn't until Mocha started featuring on their tracks that I was like, okay, I like these guys. You know what's funny? Uh, He's the glue that held them together. Love Mocha only. I like him to an extent because I will get into this more later, but I think he helped them with the catchy hooks that became like their big pop songs that got them like more mainstream appeal. But mm-hmm. in terms of like, I really don't think he added too, too much except for like a couple of songs. I really thought, you know, they're better off as a duo. I disagree. This It's, it's like, okay, uh, West Coast hip hop. Right. You know how it's always great if Nate Dogg shows up on a song. Sure. And he sings the hook. Yeah. Mocha only is Canada's Nate Dogg. <laughs> that's what I would say. Yeah. Well, he makes the- it a hit. And he's right. a good that's- rapper himself and he can sing the hook. And I I, I love the stuff with them as a. As yeah, a, we'll, we'll uh, get into that. A I mean, quintet, because we're th- forgetting about Rob the Viking who's laying down the beats. Yeah. But uh, as a quintet. Well, that's why. Like well, the thing is, they're called Jurassic Five when there's actually seven members. They always leave Kevin and Newmark out of it. Well, yeah, no, no, no. They, okay, the Jurassic Five. There, that was based on a uh, an insult. Oh, really? Because they were like, because uh, they 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 wanted to sound old school. So there is someone's like, you probably think you sound like the Furious Five. But you guys sound nothing like the, nothing but the Jurassic <laughs> Five or something like that. Like you're too old school, you're old, you're stale, like that kind of thing. Yeah. So they liked it and they they turned it into that. At least that's what Charlie Tuna says. Oh. We'll get into talking about Charlie Tuna today yeah. too. So uh, well, let's start with the the swollen members. We're finally getting on to the script here. <laughs> um, the story of swollen members dates back to 1990 in Vancouver, and uh, Shane Madchild Bunting had just returned to the city after moving to San Francisco, where he began a solo career as a rapper. Uh, that didn't garner too much success, but one big success he had when he was out there um, was that he was listed as a member of the Rock Steady. Crew, a very influential breakdancing crew based out of the Bronx. So he must have spent some time in New York, whose past members include Mixmaster Mike and Tony Touch. So Matchell's got some skills on the cardboard as well as on the microphone. <laughs> Apparently he can he can breakdance. Uh, he hooked up with fellow MC Kylie Prevail Hendricks and singer Daniel Mocha Only Denton, and the three began performing as the Swollen Members. Um, Mocha Only suggested the name The Swollen Members because it was funny, and it is funny. <laughs> like a hard dick. Was <laughs> <laughs> um, Who was... Uh, I was literally just telling someone the other day that... Uh, oh, yeah, a guy in my physio room. 
he was he was working on something and because uh, the guy that runs the physio he's he's a big music fan he's our age so he he gets all of my references like he was the one that sure. really liked the jack soul and okay. I had physio this morning and I put on well originally we started with Jurassic or sorry uh, swollen members but then we uh, it was they happened to put on the song that the tuna fish was on so he's like who yeah. is that guy he's like oh that's Charlie Tuna from Jurassic 5 and we just ended up listening to Jurassic 5 the rest oh, of the nice. time but uh, yeah, this one guy was telling me he cause he's this in the room. He was like 26, so he remembers vaguely um, when Swollen Members were big, and it was like a video game, like online thing. Like some guy had his name as like Swollen Members or something, and like, <laughs> and his uh, he he got his account suspended because they thought he was being vulgar, and so oh, that's his, the guy's mom was like, "What the hell?" It's like. He's like, I just changed it to Swollen Members because this guy had it and he said it was funny. I don't even know what this means. And the guy's mom's like, it means a sw- uh, an erect penis. That's what it means. And he's like, oh. Yeah. That was funny. That is funny. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't immediately grasp that when I was younger. Uh, it's not like, you know what show they always called their their, their penis is members? Uh, it was undergrads. Yeah, I was going to say, because Rock yeah. was like, so oh, my member. member. Yeah. So then I was like, oh, so, okay, that makes sense. Uh, now, it took almost a decade for Swollen members to break through on Canadian radio, and that's largely because they mainly distributed their music in the U.S. Madchild had founded Battle Axe Records, and he used his connections in, the, in uh, New York City, when he was part of the breakdancing crew, to release four 12-inch singles between 1990 and 1999. Here's the issue with those singles. They only made 10,000 copies of each one. Yeah. So they are basically, unless you have it, it's gone. they lost to time. Yeah. Or they may have appeared on that third album because that was B-sides and rarities. So I'm, I'm not sure where a lot of those came from, but we'll get to that one in just a little bit. Um, now, before we get into their discography, I should note that Mocha Only would actually leave the group in 1996 to pursue a solo career, uh, but he would later return. So during those 12-inch uh, single days, Mocha was replaced by members Easy Rock and Zodak, but both of them were out of the group by the time that Balance came along. And uh, not much info on uh, Zodak or Easy Rock, but Zodak would produce a track on uh, Balance. So there you go. The Lost Members. Swollen Members would release their debut album, Balance, in 1999, an independent release that didn't do much on the charts, but it would sell more than 40,000 copies since its release. That's when they went, you know, they blew up and everyone's like, shit, I need the full discography. Uh, Normally, I'd highlight who produced this album, but in the world of hip hop, things work a little bit different. Yeah, we'll be here all day. In the world of hip-hop, when you have a different person producing each song, you have an executive producer. And Mad Child was the executive producer on this album. He oversaw the entire thing. Uh, But like I said, Zodak produced a track. Also, Del the Funky Homo Sapien produced a track as well. And uh, he does a lot of work with the Swollen Members. Um, How do I know that name? Oh, he's the the main rapper on Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz. He does a lot of stuff for Gorillaz. Okay. All right, so he's Russell. Yeah. And Gorillaz. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that because it doesn't say that on his Wikipedia. I was like, how the frick do I know this name? I think he did something with Jonah Hill, too, at some point. Oh, really? For some reason, I, I thought I connected it to Jonah Hill, and uh, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, lots of guests appeared on this album. 
And it's a pretty prominent ones, too, considering this is a debut album by a Canadian hip hop group. Yeah. They did pretty well. They got Evidence and Raka Irish Science from Dilated Peoples. They appeared on the track Counterparts. That's an awesome song. Yeah, I really like that, that one. Also, if you want to hear more by the Dilated Peoples, check out The Way featuring Kanye West. That is a, uh, a killer tune. Sun Doobie from Funk Doobiest appeared on Committed. Uh, of course, we all know Sun Doobie. Wasn't Sun Doobie in Diamonds and Guns? Yeah. Oh, I, f- yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> And then doesn't Eminem talk about Funk Dubious in like uh, in the song with uh, Dr. Dre, Guilty Conscience? Oh, he, like, he, he hey, name checks so many people. Haven't you seen that movie, Skids? No, haven't you seen that movie, Kids? He's like, no, but I saw a porno with son with Funk Dubious. <laughs> like I think that's what he says. Uh, also, Everlast, yeah, from the House of Pain. He was on this album. Sorry, that was the other white hip hop group. Was uh, House, the House of Pain? Um, yeah. That was the only yeah. one that, that was had a little... I mean, some people could look at them as like a novelty act with jump around or is it like not serious, but it's like some of their stuff was pretty oh, good. Everlast is pretty legit yeah. when it comes to being a rapper. Yeah. He's a good rapper, and yeah, he does sing in a harsh grovel, but I like his stuff what he's singing. So. Uh, and this was released um, after he had put out... Whitey Ford? Right. Oh, one second. You need gravel? No, I said gravel. What I say? Yeah, I'm talking about a grovelly voice. It's gravel. It's hard A. Not... Oh, it's not. Gravel. Gravel means to beg. Oh, gravel means to beg. Yes. Gravel is like a rock. Like... <sighs> it wouldn't be the first time I'd screwed up something on this podcast. <laughs> Certainly won't be the last. But uh, yeah, considering that this came out more than a year after Whitey Ford sings the blues, it's a good get for the Swollen Members. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Balance would produce four singles. You had Front Street. Box from Settle Dust Break. Fear to your factory. Watch your edge crush. Attendance to the session breaks parameters set. Until the audience agrees the medic should be sent. Hey yo, we throwing heat. Putting MCs on Front Street. Turn the volume up a notch. We pump beats for throwing heat. Strength. That deeply senses evil spirits looking behind picket fences and bark on darker images and skeletal remains. Cold hearted soldier with ice in his veins. I'm twice as insane. My camouflage and Lady Venom. Where we're going, don't stress. There'll be plenty of time to rest. Close the curtains, break the sternum. This is just a contest. And while none of those would reach the charts, Lady Venom would be included in the video game NBA Live 2002. Um, another example of EA Sports being very good to Canadian artists. And Brian, I did look it up. They did have an EA Vancouver office. So, no secret there why they were spreading. <laughs> and a lot of West Coast bands, too, yeah. were getting shared there. So, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, this album wowed the Juno Academy. Um, first release right out of the blocks they loved it and even though they had to wait years following the release of Balance because they wouldn't give them the Juno right away two years later Swollen Members would win the Juno for best rap recording of the year wow. had to wait two years but but by George they did it <laughs> um, and I think we're off to a hell of a start oh, yeah. I loved this album I thought it was fantastic uh I was a little bit surprised, especially with Prevail, because you were talking about Mad Child at the beginning, about yeah. how you know he made his mark on the, the freestyle circuit and stuff like that. Prevail, I was incredibly impressed with his lyricism. Oh, yeah, me too. Did you know? Now, he does. I did catch him drop an F-bomb or two throughout the Yeah, he tries not to curse. 
Yeah, he tries not to curse because he wants to show that he's he doesn't need cursing. Well, that's that's and always been my biggest that. gripe with hip hop is uh, like because you look at alternative acts, mm-hmm. unless it's like you know a heavy metal kind of thing or punk thing, like most alternative bands will throw in the occasional curse if uh, for effect, but for on the whole. They really most alternative bands don't curse, and so it makes yeah. it makes you wonder like why hip hop needs that filler words and and things like that. I don't know where it started, or because like do you, do you do you know what the first actual instance of someone saying fuck on a recorded song is? Uh, was the Kingsman Louie Louie? Yeah, it was Louie Louie. He dropped a stick. Yeah, it's because they were they recording it, it live off the floor and you just hear like the ah oh, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently there's a Beatles one too where you can hear someone say fuck. Oh, really? Just in the background or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know when it really became because you'll see, you know, some of those some of those guys whose albums did fly under the radar in the 60s and 70s. They curse. Uh, in fact, working class hero John Lennon curses his fucking head off in that song. Um, so cursing was around. Yeah. But I don't remember and I have no idea when it would take but- such a prominent role in music because now you get to d- today. Everybody curses. Yeah, but like you, you look at the old. It's hard to escape. You look at the old, uh, like the start of hip hop, like Grandmaster Flash. Like, yes, he would tell some harsh stories there, but like I don't remember him cursing too. Like he's like in in the message, like he'll say like the pissing in the streets and stuff. But I don't remember him Mm. like like the lyrics were incredibly depressing. Um, Yeah, he used some slang that was a little bit dated. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as the straight up seven words you can't say on TV, right. um, he wouldn't say anything like that. I'll never forget. Um, I had to work a double shift at the movies and I had this mix hip hop CD that I had made yeah. and I had the message and I was like, I worked like 12 hours, like my feet hurt. And for whatever reason, my parents went out for dinner with some friends and my brother mm-hmm. went out. So I didn't have the car and I didn't like, uh, and I just walked home at like 10 at night. I just walked home. And so I'm listening to the message in the middle of winter. I'm like, this is so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they were just saying what life was like at the time. Yeah. Um, getting back to uh, this record, um, that was when my initial point was prevail. Yes. yes. Concentrate tonight. I was a little surprised that he wasn't discovered by people who were like into most deaf. Yeah. Or uh, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Where it's, it's incredibly poetic and very, very knowledgeable um, in terms of lyricism. That, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? His yeah. lyrics were socially conscious and they're very poetic in a sense. I thought he would have really fit. Uh, and fit not in only well that, this is one thing well. I love about hip hop, especially the golden age of hip hop. They are such nerds. Every oh like, big time, every, big time. But they they look cool doing it. Like look at RZA, right? He's a he's a huge. Well, the entire Wu Tang, yeah, the entire Wu Tang Clan are giant nerds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they love anime, and they love uh, wrestling, pro wrestling. They're big wrestling guys. Yeah. Uh, all the old kung fu movies. Yeah, yeah, they're huge nerds, <laughs> and they love comics and stuff. And this one, like Dungeons and Dragons, was one of their big yeah. themes. You know what I mean? They wanted that really medieval thematic. Dark, and that's why uh, one, of, one of my favorite song. songs on this was Bottle Rocket. I mean, it's the one with Everlast. Um, mm. But it, like Mad Child had some really great rhymes about like he he drops like some Fantastic Four references and things like that. But then, yeah. but then he also brings it back to like Van Gogh, and like oh, it's just like the the. Inner 
weaving of like some yeah. of the references. And actually, I wanted to say this. Um, one of the interesting things about hip hop, because you know, like in guitar or like music based, not beats based music, like you know, alternative, you know, they they can transition into a bridge or something with like a solo, whereas hip hop, you you always have to make it weave a little bit and how to bring it back to the chorus or things like, you know what I mean? Cause they don't have like interludes. Like they might do a bit of scratching here and there, but they still have to like bring it back and like make it make some cogent sense throughout the song. I've heard, I've heard a bridge in a hip hop song before. Sure. But it's not as frequent as like alternative songs. Cause no, it's not, it's not standard, but they have their little tricks. Like they do a, a breakdown here or there or something like that, you know, like, uh, a little musical interlude, depending on who the DJ is. Right. But what I'm saying is, like, they don't have as many tricks up their sleeves as alternative bands, so they really have to use their lyrics to steer the song. So, okay. To not only, like, have, like, so both guys are making a song that makes sense together. They're not just literally like, I'm going to rap about this, and I'm going to rap about something that's not even related. So, you know what I mean? So, they, they have to be on the similar page. Oh, okay. But also, like, you know, if we... If, <laughs> I have heard hip-hop songs where that happens, though. I know. <laughs> the guys just, let's do a track together. Great, what do you got? Okay, mine's got nothing to do with yours, but we'll record <laughs> yeah. it anyway. I have heard that many times. Um, but even, like... Um, uh, bring it home. Like we'll get to that in, in a couple albums. Mm. But like, there's a line where Swole, uh, Mad Child's like, uh, he talks about how how to bring it back into the chorus. Where he's like, Swole lays it down and Mocha sing on the track, and then they go back into the chorus with Mocha. You know what I mean? Like stuff yeah. like that. Like that. So it's interesting how they really have to pick their words carefully to make it work. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. Actually, it took me back. It reminds me of that West Side Connection song that had Nate Dogg on it, where like Cube's like, you know, it's not a single unless Nate Dogg singing on it. And then he starts off, these girls right here. <laughs> anyway, I actually wrote down a couple lyrics I like. The one was actually from Left Field, yeah. and they, I guess, they really love the Fantastic Four because Matt Child men- mentions the thing from Fantastic Four specifically there. And I had a uh, horrified nights. I understood the Aleister Crowley reference. <laughs> After you and Brintor strip off of me during the Tea Party podcast, an Aleister Crowley reference, I'm like, I know what they're talking about. There you go. I also had, um, this, uh, like, a lot of the songs that we mentioned already are ones that I really, really love, so I'm not going to repeat those, but just a couple that are worth mentioning. I really like Groundbreaking, Bless and Destiny, and S&M on the Rocks, Doug the Steel Drums sample. Yeah. I also I also yeah. like Strength. Did you say Strength, strength. was a single? Was strength a single? I forget. Was strength a single? Yes, it was. Okay, yeah, I like that, but I also I also love Circuit Breaker as well. Like this, the only single I, I actually remembered off of that was uh, Lady Venom. Yeah, I remember hearing that on Much Music yeah. back in the day, and that's when I first saw them. I was like, all right, they got a white guy with a trucker hat. Um, <laughs> they're wearing skateboarding clothing. Um, what am I to make of these guys? Yeah, that's what my first instincts were, but turns out I liked them. Um, um, riddle me this. There, Mujambo. Mm-hmm. One thing with the Swollen members, because they only started releasing everything on CD. So, mm-hmm. you know, each album tops out. Like, they max the whole space. <laughs> do you think... Well, I... Do you think it's Chuffa, or do you think each song has a place? Not on balance. Okay. Balance, yeah. I didn't feel a whole lot of Chuffa. Same. Uh, as we are going through, though, well, I will tell you, their next album... Which I still really, really liked. Uh, where am I here? Uh, Bad Dreams? Yeah. It's 
little bit of chuff on it. I thought heavy had a lot of chuff on it. Um, and then what's it called? Monsters in the Closet is like a B-sides and rarity, so there's going to be some chuffa. So if you want to talk about a perfect album by the Swollen Members for the first four, Balance is your, is your pick. See, that's interesting. I mean, I love Balance. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm just saying it, it, it. I did not feel the length okay. on Balance that I did on the other That's releases. fair. I get that. Well, there you go. No, honestly, <laughs> that's a fair point because I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you know, we get to that with a lot of these albums, you know what I mean? Especially when we're listening to One a Day and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, it's it's like give me something new here. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay, three tracks here. They were fine. They weren't bad at all. Yeah. But were they needed? Do I remember them? No, they're filler. They're chuffa. You know, I will say this, though. It goes into... It talks to their intelligence, like both Prevail and Mad Child, because of how prolific they are. Because it's very easy. Like, you know, remember how for a long time you and I would butt heads? I was Captain Spike Lee, you were Captain QT, and I would always say, Spike Lee's better. And you're like, what are you, an idiot? Oh, no, this was over one movie. No, no, I said in general. I was always like, Spike Lee's better. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Then, but, but maybe in particular, it started over one movie. Well, two movies. Yes. But, yeah, it was the, the competing movies. Yeah, I, I will, I mean, I still think that your initial assess, assessment of Do the Right Thing was wrong. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, I've, I've gone back and I've, I've told you, I've, yeah. uh, what's it called? I've reassessed it. But what I'm saying is I will I will recant QT is the far superior writer and director. I mean, Spike has a lot of great movies, but his flops are duds. Because the problem is, is Spike would take no time in between his works. He's like, right, 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 make, right, make. Whereas QT would really take his time. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's what the difference is. You see... Quentin Tarantino, you remember every single one of his movies. Yeah. Spike Lee, you remember Malcolm X. You remember Do the Right Thing. You remember Clockers and He Got Game and The Inside Man. And the list goes on and on. Yeah. You don't remember so much Girl 6 or She Hate Me. Or, or Red Hook Summer. Red Hook Summer. <laughs> I was about to say that. There you go. You know what I mean? He's got a lot of movies that just kind of fell flat. Yeah. And I don't know if they're bad or not. I didn't see them. But I, they've got no buzz. They've yeah. got nothing, you know. So, but so anyway, that's the, the difference. The whole point of that tangent was the fact that Swollen members write so much, and like with so many, like they within the first this four albums, they probably have almost two hundred songs, like at least one fifty, yeah. and plus stuff they were doing before balance. Yeah, exactly. And like yeah. these are quality songs. Like maybe. A couple sounded too similar, could have been pulled off the albums, but like they if if they busted it out live and you never heard it before, you'd be like, Oh shit, that's good shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's why you almost gotta I get the fact about being too conservative with the music you release can be a bad thing. Because you can have a great song that sits on the shelf for years and you never release just because you can never find the right spot for it. But that's also, I guess it all comes down, because I, I started asking some people after I listened to Bad Dreams, which we're on right now. Yeah. What do you prefer when you listen to an album? Do you prefer just give me as many great songs as you can, just load this thing up, man, or do you want something that from start to finish takes you somewhere? Yeah. And you'll get people to give you answers for both. 
You know, maybe they they, they don't li- they're not going to listen to it start to finish. They're going to throw it on their iTunes and yeah. it's going to come on shuffle and that's when they're going to hear it. So they want a lot of different songs like that. Other people are going to want to be taken on that journey. By the way, did you um, hear and I oh, sorry, finish your thought. I I really like Swollen Members. Yeah. I thought Balance was my favorite album by them, but I will say none of their albums take you on any kind of journey. Yeah. At least in the first four. At least in the first four. Well, the thing is with hip hop is unless you're one of these like Kid Cudi types or like where you're trying to do like a whole concept, like sometimes they like they try to do a, a inter- yeah. interweaving story, maybe even like a Kanye with like college dropout. Isn't that a whole story thing concept album? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I, I think say. that's why they're trying to tell take you on the story with hip with a lot of hip hop though. It's especially when you get multiple MCs. It's it's hard to kind of tell this one cohesive story when you're both pulling in different things and you could argue that 36 chambers is a that's story that's of an album and that's got how many they got six mcs eight mcs that was like nine plus guests <laughs> yeah guys that aren't even in the wu-tang or like the exactly. members later but um so it, it can be done and they're only at this point mocha hadn't come back yet they're right. only a duo you know, it would have been possible to to focus it down, but they wanted to put out, and you know, it was. I think it was smart. You know what I mean? They put out this banger of an album. It got them popularity. You know, let's just get as much shit out while we can in this time that we have in the spotlight. And I think fair. that that was a smart move for them because they they were on top of Canada's hip hop world yeah. at this point. No one could touch them. Canadian, yeah. maybe Jellystone. <laughs> Play a little of that, Brian. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. I was, uh, was going to say, did you hear, speaking of the shuffle, did you hear that Adele requested Spotify, like, take off the shuffle function on her albums? No, I didn't. Yeah, there's an article about it today, so I guess like maybe she tries so if, to tell stories. Oh, she does. Yeah, I had. This is the only Adele album. No, I didn't have 25. This is her last two. I had uh, 19 and I had 21, so I had two of her albums. But I really like those two albums. And they, she does take you on a story. Uh, the members would return with Bad Dreams in November of 2001, and Mad Child would again serve. As executive producer, and this would mark the first time the Swollen Members recorded with Rob the Viking. He produced six tracks on this album and would be officially named a member of Swollen Members the following year. And he serves as like their DJ for their live shows and produces tracks. Um, this album was filled with some awesome guest stars. They kept it going. Sun Doobie was back. <laughs> the Dilated Peoples were back. Um, and my personal favorite of all time... Charlie Tuna of Jurassic 5 and yes, Ozo yes. Motley. He lent his soulful baritone to full contact. Yeah. Open your collapse ear, setting traps here. Kicking raps clear. Open your lap, dear verbal pap smear. Back to smack fear. Take your dome piece, tones peak. Rocking from the cradle till my bones creak. Known for your microphone. No imposters. All up in- I will say... I think that is what it is with Charlie Tuna, why I love him so much, is, yeah, he gets the funny lyrics, you know what I mean? Little nods to Herman Munster and <laughs> Reed Richards and Kadeem Hardison and, or if your name is Mud, whatever he says, <laughs> old expressions like that. Um, 
but it's just that deep, deep, deep voice. It's so unique. I absolutely love it. You're still laughing. You're still laughing your little head off because I got. I think that's in Super Bowl Sunday by o- Ozo Motley. If you want to find okay. the clip, I think that's what he's like. Ain't no gimmick behind the way that I'm designing my rhyme line for line you'll find in your neighborhood. There's a flavor flood, whether you're a ghetto star or if your name is Mud. I speak the. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Or if your name is Mud. I just remember to say that. I'm laughing because it's just such a Charlie Tuna thing to do. That's all. Yeah, when's the last time you told someone their name was Mud? <laughs> it's been a while. My dad said that once to me when I was a kid. He was like, well, you better finish your dinner or your name is Mud. And I had no idea what he was talking about. You know, Nicholas Cage spends like two minutes in uh, National Treasure explaining where like your name is Mud comes from. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's been a while. I haven't seen that movie since it's on theaters with you. With me. You know, I was going to say, before we get into this album, um, because, you know, it it always seems to be the Canadian thing for artists to produce things themselves or, like, be the executive producer. And I really think this is where they could have used an outsider because, and, like, getting into the whole Chuffa argument of... uh, Okay. Because when you're too close to it, like, Mad Child is buried in this thing he can't see that old expression you can't see the forest for the trees sometimes you need to be able to step back see the broad picture and say this one is great but we need to pull it this one is okay not as strong we need to pull it maybe save it for your next album or our b-sides you know what i mean okay and but yeah okay that's, that's actually a fair assessment um also when you're dealing with a different producer on almost every track everyone wants to get their shit in exactly you know, you don't want to bring in a big name who's going to produce a song for you, and then you just don't use it. Well, it's it's like uh, Saturday Night Live, right? You get all these people writing, wanting to get their sketch on the air, and then yeah. you get the you know the head writers who are like, "This is garbage," or "This is not going on air," or you know what I mean? They need to be the yeah. ones to cut it. So it's the same type of thing. Yeah, and they are generous guys, so they're not going to want to get a Chali Tuna to record a song with them. And then it gets left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, for sure. So that makes sense, you know. And I, I see what you mean. I think that is a good point. You need, like, not a studio guy. No, definitely not. But someone from outside of that space. I see what you mean. Well, it's, it's like um, Kevin Smith. On, I think it was Clerks 2. Um, he showed his film to Quentin and Robert Rodriguez as, out- yeah, I saw as them, outsiders. Saw that, yeah. Just to, like, get yeah. it a fresh perspective. That's yeah. what they need. Someone who's in the industry. Like, they almost should have, could have got another friend in the, in the game. Like, they should have got the Rascals to come and listen to it. And they're Vancouver, yeah. so that would, have been, that would have been cool. Yeah. They haven't worked really with the Rascals, at least in these first four. We'll see where time takes us. Yeah. But uh, I'm a little surprised they haven't intersected yet. Uh, the biggest guest star on this album, though, in terms of the band's history... So not Charlie Tuna. Yeah. That's in you and my world. Uh, yeah. It would be former member Mocha only, who sang the hook on Fuel Injected. And bring it home. Swollen, always bring it home. Swollen, always bring it home. 
which were both released as singles and would become two of the group's biggest hits, yeah. with Bring It Home reaching number three on the singles charts. And because the members obviously wanted to perform those sh- songs live, when they get brought to much music, they want to hear the hits live, they had to bring Mocha only on tour with them. So you know what? You might as well rejoin the group, Mocha, and that's exactly what he did. So after this album, you had Rob the Viking joining up, and you had Mo- Mocha only joining up, and they were now a quintet. Um, the Jew, okay. So based on those singles, Bad Dreams would achieve platinum status and top out at number thirty-four on the charts, and it was met with critical acclaim. With uh, LA-based music publication Crudge listing it, listing it as one of the top twenty-five albums of two thousand and one. That's some good shit that came out in 2001. So to put that in there, and this is an American publication, that's saying something. Yeah. Um, it also, rap reviews gave it 7 out of 10, and Hip Hop DX gave it a store, score of 3.5 out of 5. And the Juno Academy, they would get in on this too. The members would win Rap Recording of the Year for the second year in a row. And the Much Music Video Awards, they were incredibly kind to the members. The video for Fuel Injected would win Best Rap Video, Best Independent Video, the Video Fact Award. That's like another independent. That's a grant. You win a grant because yeah. Serial Joe won that one. Gene Simmons presented it to them. And uh, Best Director for Wendy Morgan. Um, we've talked about Wendy Morgan before. She did the 100 Million People video for Treble Charger. Right. And has done a whole bunch of videos for Narles Barkley, Janelle Monet and Alicia Keys. So she is branched out beyond Canada at this point. Actually, she just uh, directed a feature film. So uh, she's branched oh, yeah. out beyond music videos. What'd yeah, the, an independent release. What'd she make? What's it called? Do you know? Oh, God. It was about a girl and she's recording an, she's recording an album. Hold on here. Wendy Morgan. While you're doing that, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna talk for a minute because I—that's not her. I really—that's not her. Anyway, I really like this album because, I mean, there's various reasons why I really like this because, when you look at some of the albums that came out this year, it was when like because like I said, it was entering the glam era of hip hop, but also like, there it's almost like '98. And 2001, like when their first two albums came out, it almost, Mm. it was kind of like the crossing of the guard a little bit because like some of the older hip hop acts were still putting stuff out. Like that was when Public Enemy came back with like He Got Game in 98 and Beasties put out Hello Nasty. And, uh, but then you get some of the other people that are starting to up and comer, up and comers. And so it kind of caused, did this changing of the guard. But like there was also so many different types of, of artists like the, like Outcast was coming out, Fat Joe, Mob Deep, Nas, Wu Tang put out Iron Flag, Master P, Mystical, Rough Riders, Lil Bow Wow, The Coop. I don't know if you ever do you remember The Coop? Don't remember The Coop. They're really good. Uh, they put out an album called Wait. Party Music. That's um, the Tom Morello's band. Street Sweeper oh, Social Club. Boots, shit. Uh, Boots, yes, uh, Boots, Boots Riley, yeah. Randolph, Boots, Ra- no, Boots, it's Boots Randolph, Yaggedy Sacks. Play a little bit of Yakety Sack. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I got a mixed up. <laughs> okay. 
but <laughs> yes, the guy that was the coop. I thought it sounded yeah, familiar. They're I really thought that's good. what they do with Tom Morello too. But um, yes, okay, they formed the Street Super Social Club. Yeah, yes. and then like looking through good. this, like you know, Bubba Sparks, Ti, Ja Rule, uh, Aesop Rock, uh, Jay Z put out the Blueprints. I think Foxy Brown put an album out that year. Tech Nine, RZA, Juvenile, Lisa Left Eye Lopez, Nerd. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, there she is, Foxy Brown. Uh, Puff Daddy put out the saga continues. Little Romeo, uh, Cisco put out Return of the Dragon. Uh, now you're getting way off of hip hop. D12. Okay, <laughs> um, D12's good. But Cisco, Little Romeo. No, I'm just saying these are albums that came out. Redman put out Malpractice. Cardinal put out Quest for Fire. Oh, there you go. Uh, Missy Elliott. Uh, let's see. So you're kind of Coolio, <laughs> Coolio.com. Uh, that, that takes me by surprise. Uh, Run DMC. This is what it does. They put out Ro- Crown Royal, um, Trick Daddy. Uh, so you, like you can kind of see what I mean with like the kind of changing of the guard a little bit with like sure. the head, heading into the gone or the conscious hip hop <laughs> in was the glam shit. And well, it was, it was a mix. It was a mixed bag. The glam yeah. shit was what sold. Yeah. The conscious hip hop is what got the critical praise. Yeah. At least at the time. Now everyone loves the fucking glam shit. Yeah. But it was the the Renaissance pop or whatever they called it when people started viewing pop music like, you know. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So the mu- movie she directed, Wendy Morgan, is called Sugar Daddy. It came out last year. Okay. Follows a young, talented musician, dreams of making music like nobody has before, but she's broke, desperate for cash, and she signs up to a paid dating website, throwing herself down a dark path that shapes her music with it. Hmm. Sounds interesting. I'll check that out. Um, okay, where were we? We still haven't oh. gotten like We're still... Yeah, well, we talked about how yeah much music gave them all that. Oh, Wendy Morgan, that was it. It was video game exposure for this album. Oh, okay. Because they got lots of it again. Fuel Injected was included on Matt Hoffman Pro Skater BMX2, and Deep End was featured on Triple Play 2002, NBA Live 2002, and SSX3, a snowboarding game, but I remember it from Triple Play 2002. Because when it came on on the album, I was like, shit, I know this song. (laughs) How do I know this song? Triple Play. That's how I know it. Um, Thought it was a great album. Mm. I know you liked it. We both liked it. Uh, The ones I wanted to point out here, I like Take It Back, which was another single off of this album. Yo, we all get older. Rhymes get bolder. Series of events makes the heart grow colder. Started off with two, now we got mad soldiers. Battle axe warriors, bitch, I thought I told ya. Hanukkah's on stage, never rock show sober. Spit venom of a cobra, hatched in October. They didn't name. Um, Poker Face, I like that when their guest, Buck50, drops a line about former Toronto Raptor Marcus Camby. I thought was funny. <laughs> Do you remember when we listened to the Maestro and like he had that one album where he made like ten references to Damon Stoudemire? Yeah. Like <laughs> I guess he thought he was gonna be a big deal. I guess they thought Marcus Camby was gonna be a big deal. And uh he had a good career. And uh Ventilate, which serves as a fun argument between Mad Child and Prevail. Really, yeah. really like that one. And uh, like I said, if they could just cut three or four songs off of this, it would have been fantastic. I don't know which ones you cut. I uh, don't have my notes in front of me, uh, but I, I would just do something just to make it a little more palatable. It's like Jake always says about our podca- podcast, Hard 45. <laughs> this coming from the guy, every time he calls me, like, we clock in at like a two hour phone call. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. each, each each phone call is like a podcast. 
Um, but I loved, let's see, I love Burns and Scars with Sun Doobie. That had an Ice Cube kind of vibe. The way he was like, it was very like bouncy. It was like the it's like the way he was rapping. Yeah, sure. Um, I felt very uh, Ice Cubish. Um, I also loved what was it? I think it was the Deep End. I felt that one was very like um, it was almost like a mix of like Massive Attack meets like uh, EPMD slash uh, Care. Um, what the hell's their name? Uh, Eric B and Rakim. Okay. I thought I loved that one. It had this nice little guitar in it. It's like a ding a ding a ding a ding. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. That yeah. one is awesome. What's which one is it again? Uh, it's Deep End. And Why I the also hell did they have it as one of mine. I also loved RPM. Is it towards the end of the spree. album? Uh, it was uh, it was right after Poker oh, Deep Face. End. That's why I didn't mention it because Deep End was the one that was the the, the one that was in all the video games. Uh, okay. That was in Triple Play 2002. Yeah. No, that song's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah, I'm trying to think. If I was to cut any off this, I'd probably I might cut Camouflage. I might cut Anthrax Island. Um and. I don't remember too much about... No, I like Dark Riders. Because I had Buck 50. That was a good one. I should also uh, note that uh, Bring, it, Bring It Home was not initially included on this album. Um, they would re-release it later to get more buys when they decided to release Bring It Home as a single. Mm. So they included it on there as a featured tr- a hidden track, and it would appear on their next album, Monsters in the Closet. So technically, Bring It Home appears on two Swollen member releases. Okay, that makes sense because I was like, when I, I was raking leaves for my folks today, and I, I listened to uh, Bad Dreams, and then I, I threw on Monsters in the Closet as like a fourth time. And I was like, wait, why am I hearing Bring It Home so many times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they put it on two. Because, um, you see, with this being released in uh, November of 2002, uh, they had a rat heavy, which would be their fourth, fourth release. That was what they were working on. They knew that was coming out, and they just wanted to buy some time. Mm. So they cobbled together this album, the B-sides, rarities, um, remixes, um, and three new songs, Mm. okay? So you had... um, Got stuck in my tongue there. Okay. You had um, Steppin' Through. Which was released as a single. Got plenty of exposure on much music. Great song. And then you had the big one, which was Breathe with Nelly Furtado. Yeah. I'm alive, I can feel the blood rushing through my veins. And that was big because not only was Nelly Furtado the queen of Canada at the time, yeah, but they got Todd McFarlane to direct the music video. And, of course, if you're into comic books like the Swollen Embers clearly are, you freaking mm-hmm. love Todd McFarlane. He's our boy up here in Canada. Do you know what and I that, noticed watching yeah. the Breathe video when I cobbled together that little uh, intro piece a few weeks back? Mm-hmm. Uh Either Ma- uh, Mocha's a giant or Mad Child's really short because there's a part <laughs> where they meet up and they like fist bump and he's like half of his size. Mocha is a tree. Oh, is he? Okay. He's a big dude. And I think Mad Child is also quite tiny. 
So okay. it's the combination of the two. Yeah. Um, I should also mention that uh, Todd McFarlane's direction would help propel Breathe to top the Much Music Countdown. So at the time, it was tough for hip-hop music like this to actually chart in Canada because where are they going to play it? You know, they Hot AC would be the format for it, Hot Adult Contemporary, but, like, The Edge wasn't playing it, Chum FM wasn't playing it, you know what I mean? It was tough well, for them to have fun. Back then, at least in Toronto, they had that Energy Station, like, Energy 108. Energy, or... yeah, Energy 108, that was yeah. it. I don't know, was that still around, though? Because that shut down. Energy 108 shut down, and it became Y108. Or wasn't there, like, an Energy, like, 99 point something or 98 something? Um, I remember Energy 108 because we always wanted to listen to Edge. Yeah, in middle school, and all the other kids wanted to listen to Energy except you and me. Yeah, and people didn't like us for that. We tried to get Kevin and Nate <laughs> to back us and be like, "Come on, don't you want to listen to the Edge?" You know, those pansies. <laughs> so we took the heat for everybody. Uh, what's it called? Where was I? Oh, okay. We were talking about that video. Yes. Unlike their previous two releases, Monsters in the Closet doesn't contain a very long list of guest stars. Hmm. It's largely Mad Child, Prevail, and Mocha. However, does feature, outside of Miss Furtado, Canadian rap legend Socrates, who appears on the Fuel Injected remix, which sounds absolutely nothing like the original. Yeah. And surprisingly, Sarah McLaughlin. I love appears on this. Uh, oh, it's way great. Down. That was so good. It's a great song. Figure out this Venus and Mars thing But every time I see you all I hear is a harp string We chilled last night I had to record this Listen to Porter's head making love in the forest uh, Little surprise Sarah McLaughlin didn't find a uh, second career singing hooks for hip-hop songs <laughs> yeah. It just sounded great I think the reason why, because it was weird When I looked at this on Wikipedia when I was putting stuff together It didn't make any mention of Sarah McLaughlin And then mm. I was doing it on Spotify it's featuring Sarah McLaughlin I think this is a sample of one of her songs so oh, okay. I'm not sure if she actually came in to sing on it or if they just sampled it or if they did one of those dumb things. Like, do you remember um, how uh, Kanye West, when he put out Gold Digger, how he's like, oh, it's Kanye West featuring Jamie Foxx. Yeah. When really they just sampled I Got a Woman. Yeah. From <laughs> by Ray Charles. And I think he I think he does sing the she gives me money, but it yeah. is like Ray Charles impression. Yeah, he's not even singing it as himself. Yeah. He's literally just doing a Ray Charles hook. It might be one of those loose features where you, you use the sample, you get permission, but you go the extra mile. Or like uh what's it called? Uh It Doesn't Matter by Wyclef featuring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Actually speaking of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, we will get to him later. He's coming up in my notes, Dwayne okay. Rock Johnson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thought he was coming up here and I had a perfect segue for it. I am very unprepared tonight, if you couldn't tell. Uh, the yeah. fact that you're wearing a clean shirt and you're making uh, semi-normal sentences. Considering- That's a V-neck, too. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get, like, script tattoo on my chest yeah. so I can show it off to the world. It looked like... Get no, get no ragrets. Like, like a like a like a late two thousand scene kid. 
Yeah, that, that's she, that she was. Get no one. regrets like that douche in where uh, the mill what is. Was that? You ever seen that? No. Oh. No, that guy. The guy's playing Adam Warlock. No, not that guy. It's the it's the the son. Yeah, he's playing Adam Warlock. Yeah, that's not the guy I was talking about. But oh, that's, okay, that's okay. an interesting just... casting. Yeah, actually, I just saw that guy. I started watching this show on Disney Plus called uh, Dope Sick about the opioid crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that looks really good. It's yeah, Michael I saw Keaton the f- and, I saw yeah. the first episode. It was enjoyable. It's actually got yeah. the daughter, the youngest daughter from that Tim Allen show, The Last Last Man Standing. <laughs> yeah, she's in that. Um, Adam Warlock, eh? He's playing Adam Warlock, Will Poulter. But anyway, yes, there's a guy on it who he's got a tattoo that says no regrets instead of no regrets. But it's also because, you know, when you get uh, chest tattoos, you're supposed to get it backwards so that when you look in the mirror, it's actually written correctly. Are you? Yes. I don't think that's the case. I'm like 99% sure that's right. I think if you when you look in the mirror, it's supposed to look backwards because you want other people to see your tattoo. I'm going to look this up. Because neither of us have chest tattoos. We have I don't think I've life. ever seen a t- chest tattoo in real life that was spelled backwards. Uh, let's see. Anyway, Unless what, I was looking at him in the mirror. <laughs> what are your thoughts on monsters in the closet? I wasn't done talking about it. All right, we'll continue. <laughs> the album would also feature solo tracks. One from Mocha Only called Red Dragon. And a solo by Prevail called Rockapella, which disappointingly does not contain a sample of Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. And I was going to say play it, Brian, but oh, you're too occupied right now. I'll play it. I got gotcha. you. How could a whole nation of crash test dummies hope to release the grapes of wrath on the day of Sabbath knowing it'll be black? Especially when they might be giants and they take to the air with stone temple pilots. I'm at my parachute club with the motley crew. My B-52 fires nine inch nails. Radio ahead, I cause phonetic quiet riots. I'm tragically hip. Fight with the spirit of the West. Society's no fucking use. Your white zombies have no effects. Now cowboys are turning into junkies. Actually, that rock cappella, it's short. But it's super cool because he just name drops all these rock bands. Yeah. And he makes it work seamlessly. Great little uh, number there by Prevail. Uh, the album would wind up being a massive success commercially. It reached number seven on the Canadian charts, reaching gold status with more than 70,000 copies sold. Okay. Are you set to go here? Oh, wait. No, I'm not done. At the end of the day, though. This is a B-Sides record, and it right. was met with pretty unenthusiastic reviews from critics. Despite the Juno Academy recognizing Monsters in the Closet as rap recording of the year for the third straight year, uh, Swole members, um, you know, it, it, it was people thought it was just okay. People thought it felt more like a compilation. Mm. Um, boy, I'm off my game. I'm skipping all over the place here. <laughs> I was going to mention they also got success from the video Breathe, directed by Todd McFarlane. It won Best Rap Video at that year's. Much Music Video Awards. Okay. Are you good, Ted? I think you're good. All right. Head back in the game. Yeah, head back in the game. All right. Let's do this. You're freaking me out, man. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Now, what were you so diligently looking at while I was uh, rambling on through the rest of the script? Oh, I was trying to find something about chest tat like it's and also not chest tattoos in general. Just the if you get text. I thought text was supposed to be backwards, but I don't know. I couldn't find anything concrete, so Okay. But I was listening, so it's not like I'm just like Duh. So you asked me my thoughts. Yes. I thought it was another good release. 
I thought it did, yes, it, for the gripe that it played like a compilation album. It did play like a compilation album. But you know what? I like compilation albums, <laughs> okay? Um, it's still a quality listen. And aside from the singles, the song I really liked uh, was English Breakfast, Members Only, and Temptation, a short but very socially conscious song. How about you? I liked uh, Freak Fantastic, uh, New Details, Northern Lights was good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and then... Uh, oh, Heavy Thinkers was good. Uh, and English Breakfast, you were saying. But... Um, <laughs> the, what? <laughs> are just we start off hot and then we're just rambling now we're speaking in half sentences then right there you're barely uttering words um yeah jeez what's going on i will say this i understand mocha only's role is to be the hook man and it's fine those are the songs that take him to the next level to get them more popularity and so i understand his value but in terms of like I think he's best like like a song like Red Dragon where he's actually rapping and it's good. Like sometimes when he does these little like sing songy things, it's not like it's not always the best. Okay, let's talk about that hooks and songs. Okay, because some rappers who sing their own hooks suck. Okay, I like Kanye West's music. I think he's a nut. Yeah, I like his music. Yeah. He's terrible when it comes to singing hooks. <laughs> okay. Um, Drake, I thought Drake was supposed to be a rapper. Most of his songs, he's just trying to sing, and he's not a good singer. He, he I always say, Drake sings like you are trying to describe how a song that you heard earlier in the day went to your friend. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, Brian, you know that song, uh, I need to find your love. You know that one? Yeah. That's Drake. That's how he does his hooks. One of my uh, favorite Mocha. Ho- I'm done making my point. Fine. Mocha, on the other hand, he has that cool kind of ghostly voice, which is so good on a track like Fuel Injected. And even brings it bring it home with the way they got that kind of organ in there. I I I just think he knows how to sing a hook. Yeah. Okay? He actually has a good singing voice. Whereas most rappers who try to sing don't. So you know, that's why I, I like him. It's funny. I was watching this video. There's this guy uh, on YouTube who's been like, uh, he reviews hip hop songs and he was going through, he's like, oh, a lot of my listeners have recommended Swollen Members. And, oh, cool. And uh, so he's was like, it, uh, was it Rap Critic? I don't remember his name. It was like DJ something. Oh, okay. Rap Critics are good. Rap and critic. so he's talking, he's like, I just, like my previous video, I listened to Fuel Injected. It was great. Um, and then, so he listens to... I think it was, it was off of, I think it was Stepping Through. Okay. Or was it, shit. No, it was Bring It Home. And he, every time Mocha started singing, he just looks at the camera and just like shakes his head. He's like, I don't like this guy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but Mocha, I understand his role and he, 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 those hooks are what make them, I mean, Technically, they were a success before with their first two, but he, I understand those songs take them to the next echelon of sales and get them on the radio, and I get it. It just sometimes, like, I, I can skip some of the singles, to be honest, the mocha ones, and, like, just go to the straight, gritty hip-hop. 
You are really getting to you and me disagreeing here. Now, granted, not quite disagreeing. No, like, because I'll, I do, I'll still I listen do, to them look, and I still enjoy them. It's not, like, them. it's not like I'm like, this is dog shit. My it's favorite album good. out of the first four didn't have Mocha on it. Legit. Right? Yeah. But I feel like Mocha only was the missing piece to this That's group. That's fair. I really do. And I really feel like Mocha only made Swollen members better, even though they were already good. Right. That's fair. Okay. I will say this, though. Speaking of hooks, one of my favorite hooks is, uh, have you ever heard this one rapper from DC, Wale? Oh, it's, it's not Swollen Members? No, no. This is a separate hook. Oh, this is a different hook. Yes. Uh, yes, I know who Wale is. Well, there's a, he has a song called Love Hate Thing, and there's a singer from Chicago named Sam Dew. He sings a hook, and it's very catchy. And he's, plus, he's actually a really great singer. Um, what was I going to say? Wale. I don't know about Sam Day, but Wale. Sam Dew. Sam Dew. I know Wale. Wale uh, once appeared on WWE SmackDown and judged a rap battle between the New Day and the Usos. Really? Yes. That was what Wale did on an episode. And he played into it perfectly. Like, he, you can tell this guy liked wrestling. Like, he played right into the whole thing. Uh, well, like we were talking about, most hip-hop guys do love wrestling. <laughs> oh, they do. They do. And uh, you know who, who likes wrestling? is Swollen Members. And uh, we're about to talk about that because... And the Rascals. Yeah, but we're, this episode's about Swollen Members. I know. We got a Rascals episode next season. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, that's okay. news to me. Um, the members would keep up their torrid pace by putting out an album per year in November 2003 when Heavy hit the shelves. They kept up their relationship with Todd McFarlane, and he designed the album cover for Heavy, including a, a, a cool, like, alternate album cover. He, he designed two, and they both look really, really, really cool. Um, Son Doobie was back. He might as well be an unofficial <laughs> member, Son Doobie. He's on all this stuff. And California rapper Abstract Rude appears on Don't Know Why. Uh, the members would also get some extra exposure in the video game world, as All Night featured on SSX Three, I think I, I already mentioned SSX3. That must have had a bunch of Swollen Member songs on it. And bottom line, this is where we're talking about wrestling. Mm. That would appear on both WWE Day of Reckoning and SmackDown vs. Raw. SmackDown vs. Raw played the hell out of Love That Game. And uh, at the end of that song, it features a sample of The Rock saying that's the bottom line, even though that was Stone Cold's. Stone Cold. That's the bottom line. Stone Cold. Yeah, it was Stone Cold. Yeah. So I, I, the guy who's supposed to be a wrestling fan, can't even get it right. Who said that's the bottom line? I, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm not getting enough sleep. I am not making sense on this. <laughs> Our pets' heads are falling off. What? That's from that's from uh, Dumb and Dumber, where they're like, oh. they're like. <laughs> Well, they're, they're, they're naming all these problems that they have. They're like, there's this and this. Our pets' heads are falling off. Oh, I forgot about that. You know, it's funny. Uh, Roger, I think you can find a review of Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Roger Ebert said the the first time they did the bit with the with the bird, uh, yeah. Roger Ebert nearly needed to get rushed to the doctor because he was laughing so hard he couldn't breathe. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, I just thought he was really quiet. 
Um, Heavy sold pretty well initially. Now, it peaked at number 14 on the Canadian charts. And from critics, Heavy would get largely positive reviews. Rap reviews gave it 8.5 out of 10. And Music Emissions and Sputnik Music both gave it 4.5 out of 5. However, the people who did not give this stellar reviews was Swollen Members' core fan base. They really felt that they turned their backs to the audience with this album because of its mainstream sound and over-polished production. They were pretty upset and Heavy has largely been disowned by the Swollen members. They actually stopped shipments to record stores after a while because they weren't happy with it and they weren't happy that their fans weren't happy with it. And they took it off of their discography section of their website. Uh, it does feel like, a, like I know exactly what they're talking about. Like when I was listening to this, it's definitely the one I returned to the least. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would listen to the first three over and over again. I think I, uh, listened to this one maybe a couple times and yeah, it, it's shorter, uh, in terms, I mean, not by much cause it's still almost an hour, but there's less songs. Um, and yeah, so on that, it doesn't feel like a full swollen members album. There's not yeah. like twenty songs, uh, and yeah, they're right. Each one is much more polished. It's less, it's less greasy, less, uh, less, less, uh, less stank on it. I don't know. Here's the thing, though, and I think this is maybe from us doing the show for as long as we have. Yeah. You get to that place with any band where they do start cleaning up their act and polishing up their music because they're getting a little bit older. Now, not a whole lot of time had passed for Swollen Members between their first album and their fourth album. They put out basically an album a year. So I do kind of get how fans probably weren't ready for this polished look. I personally didn't have any sort of issue with it. Um, I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was as good as Balance or Bad Dreams, but... You know, oh, I liked hearing Mocha on every track. Uh, watch this, the one single that they put out from this. I thought that was a great song. I like Block I loved, Party. I like Therapy. I loved, Those are good tunes. I loved Adrenaline. I thought that one was the best. Yeah. But like we always talk, there was Chaffa. And I believe, what was the song that opened it? Was that Watch um, This? Did Watch This open this, the album? Well, it was Intro. Uh, then it went into intro. Block Party. Then Watch This. That was it. And what was the third song? It was a song after Watch This. Mm. Whatever that was. It was Block Party. Block Party. Oh. oh. I guess you didn't hear me. <laughs> no, okay. I thought you said Block Party was after intro, then it was Watch This. Yes. That's what I said. Okay. Block part, intro, Block Party, Watch This, what was, Bottom Line. Bottom Line. That was it. Bottom Line kind of got lost in the shuffle for me because it kind of sounded a lot like the beginning of it kind of sounded like I was still listening to mm. Watch This. So a lot of the songs on here... It wasn't that they're bad; they just didn't stand out, and they kind of yeah. blended into the background. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's the perfect way to say it. It, it was very like for me, adrenaline popped out so much because I felt it was a little more return to form, but it was very much flat line across. There yeah. wasn't as many spikes. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't as good. But it was still enjoyable. But it just wasn't up to the usual. It's like this is what we always talk about. It's a uh, Canada FM expression. It wasn't. Uh, what is it? Oh, uh, shit. I think we're both brain dead. I lost my train of thought. Where we talk about, like, the standard, like, you know, oh, the Sloan the standard. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the standard, it, it the bad standard. It wasn't the yeah. Swollen yeah, Members yeah, yeah. standard. That's yeah. All. I see what you mean. Well, it wasn't even the... I don't think it was necessarily even below standard. It just, it just, it just... 
It's Nothing jumped average. off the page. The yeah. tracks that I would call considerably like the Chuffa tracks on the other albums, yeah. I don't have a problem with those songs. They just, yeah. they're not the ones I gravitate towards. And this right. album was just filled with a lot of songs that were just fine, perfectly acceptable. Yes. You know, that were just not evoking is, any more feelings for me. It is downright adequate. <laughs> Thanks, Adelaide Adler. <laughs> I was getting my Hawaiian shirt de- deflowered. Deloudent or whatever he says. Um, You know, the band, because they were so ashamed of this album, they took some time off and things kind of changed shape. Uh, Mocha would leave the band after Heavy to focus on his solo career. Now, it wouldn't. He's too fickle. Jeez, you and the Mocha only bashing. Come on. I'm kidding, sort of. Now, he. Now, while he wouldn't really work with Mad Child or Prevail after leaving the group, um, he released new music just about every year, both on his own and uh, with other hip-hop artists like Sweatshop Union, who I hope we get to do an episode about, one of the most unsung Canadian hip-hop groups of all time, um, AWOL One, and Danny O of Me and Danny O at the Sky Dome, When It's in Town, My People's Know. When It's in Thank Town, you. My People's Know. I just be regular. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I listened, I remember listening to uh, Graham Bucci lent me a Moco-only solo album once, and I listened to it, and uh, I liked it. Yeah? Yeah, it was nice, it was funky, it was uh, it was light. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, he doesn't strike me as the... It's, Heavy as the other two. Yeah, yeah. The flow was very, you know, up, and it was it was light and breezy. Yeah, but I liked it, I remember. Uh, 2018, Moko revealed that he was retiring from rapping to focus more on jazz. It didn't work out, though, because he released a hip-hop EP as recently as 2020 with Cool Keith and Dell, the funky homo sapien. We had an experience cool with Cool Keith. Yeah. You want to share that? I- it was the 2001 Warp Tour. It was at the Sky Dome, which I think we talked about on one of our off topics. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a nightmare because it was a gorgeous sunny day and they kept the damn dome closed. And everyone's cranky. Yeah. yeah. I nearly got kicked in the face during the Planet Smasher to this tall, lanky guy who was like skanking with these long friggin' legs. I just caught, got too close and nearly got booted in the face. Uh, but yes, Cool Keith was trying to hype up the crowd with the, you know, the call and response that, you know, most hip-hop artists do. And I don't think the fans were having it. No, because we were standing waiting for... Who was to, to start? Rancid? Rancid, Lesson Jake. One I of those can't remember. I think it was Rancid. Souls. And we just weren't having Cool Keith that day, you know? But we also weren't having Sum 41. Like, Derek Wibbley was trying to riff, like, literally. Oh, yeah. He's like, who? metal he's trying to do this like metal riff and everyone's like Bleh. oh they're bad because i remember the first they year stink. we saw some 41 and barry they, they actually put on a good show and then they had gotten famous yeah and that just it just and they're like it. we're above this yeah. you know it's it's like what i told you uh if we ever do an alexis on fire episode i watch these like five little like 10 minute little documentaries about each album and i think it was like their third or fourth album in that they got selected to come on the warp tour run Okay. But by that point, they are already established in Canada, selling out clubs across the whole country. So they're like, come on the Warp Tour. Maybe you'll get exposed to uh, a U.S. fan base. And they're like, this was a nightmare. It's like, like if you're 18 and you're out of your mom's basement, it's great. But we had, we're like, we had wives and mortgages and houses. <laughs> like, this is dog shit. Like, we hated it. I can imagine you feeling out of place. But anyway, Cool Keith's doing his call and response. And he's saying, when I say cool, y'all say Keith. 
And he'd say, cool, and everyone else sucks. <laughs> he'd say, cool, and everyone else sucks. He goes, you know, I'm really not happy with you guys today. <laughs> he starts crying on stage. At, at that point, I felt bad for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I feel bad for any performer, unless you just flat out stink. Yeah. Like, if you're up there being an opening act or whatever, especially, I mean, hip-hop has always been part of the Warp Tour, but again, it's a little out of place. The like, I mean, Jurassic Five fit right in because they they they're just so great that well, you could. But that's that's why they fit in so well, exactly, because they are great. But they they offer something that's real, yeah, something that's socially conscious as well. That yeah, is what, what punk, people punk offers too are expected. Well, the old school punk rockers, right? Yeah, right. That's why the pop punk never got over because that's just bullshit. Yeah, because, you know, the old school punk was socially conscious. Old school hip hop was socially conscious, and even though Jurassic Five was a new band. They were socially conscious, and people yeah. liked that, and people dug what they were trying to do. Cool Keith's just a guy out there with a DJ rapping about pussy. You ever <laughs> yeah. see the cover of his album? He's dressed like a doctor. as a chick with big knockers in his face. It looks like Frank Reynolds designed the cover of his album. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Not a whole lot of substance there. Um, all right. Well, Prevail Mad Child Rod the Viking, they would go back to the lab to put an album together for their fans to be proud of. That was their mission. It would take them another three years to do it. So when we return on Canada FM next week, uh, we're going to talk about Black Magic. We're going to talk about Arm to the Teeth, Dagger Mouth, Beautiful Death Machine, and Brand New Day. That's all coming up on our next Deep Dive Part 2. And I promise I'll have some coffee or something like that. I'll get a little (laughs) more in the game than I was tonight. Because me and Brian were both maybe just in moods. So that's why we were a little bit all over the place. Right, that was fine. I just got a little rant or uh, tangenty. Yeah, well, it happens. It happens when you do this. <laughs> anyway, um, any parting words about Swollen Members? Uh, well, I've already listened to Black Magic because I thought we were doing the first five. Oh, but uh, but I'm excited to. I haven't listened to any of the others, so I'm excited to go through the uh, the more contemporary stuff because i already know that mad child changes his cadence again oh yeah because uh have you ever heard of a canadian rapper named tom mcdonald unfortunately yes well he does a track with mad child uh, like within the last like year or two during the pandemic i think it was during the pandemic and like you know it sounded it sounded more trap than rap Mm. and it was crap do you like my uh my little rhyme scheme pretty good there (laughs) <laughs> I'll say that it's your poet. But, I didn't know it. Yeah, but I mean that wasn't Mad Child's song. He was just a guest, so I don't hold it against him. But like, if that's a sign that like he's kind of changing it tomorrow with the that type of shit with the stop and like the mumbly and like the yeah. hopefully that's not echoing on the Swollen Members releases. But we'll see. I do have to go. I got to cut this short. I got baby issues. I got to deal with. All right. All right. But I will talk to you later. And uh, we'll catch you next week on Canada FM. And uh, follow us on Instagram. Give us a five-star review on the old Apple Music. I got that right, right, Brian? Yes. And uh, follow us on Spotify. And uh, I think that's everything. And tweet. We'll hit that Twitter. Yeah. All right. We're the big bird. We'll catch you later. Big for Sunday Men J, anything else you want to yeah, say? Yeah, we done it. There it is. You sing it, classified. One, two, one, two. Yeah.